Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live once more from Westminster's College Green on the morning after Theresa May had a brilliant idea. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the Prime Minister locked her cabinet inside Downing Street for eight hours with nothing but stale sandwiches and red wine for sustenance. And of course, unfortunately for them, uh, she also told them that they would have to come up with a plan. And now the fact that they don't have a plan uh, is really neither here nor there. But after eight hours, after some rather boring sandwiches, after some rather dreadful uh, plonk red wine uh, variety of, uh, they decided to come up with this plan. They're going to give the whole of the country's uh, future and they're going to hand it over to Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn, of course, is the man uh, who is the leader of Her Majesty's opposition. He is not the man to lead us out of the Brexit stalemate in which we find ourselves because Jeremy Corbyn, of course, uh, is against leaving. He's against remaining. He's for a second referendum now, but he didn't used to be. He's for leaving with a deal that 65% of Labour voters actually wanted to remain. His parliamentary party is irrevocably split between those who believe we should never leave and a few rebels who want to walk away. Does anyone sane actually believe that Jeremy Corbyn, who wouldn't even stay in the same room as Chucker Amuna recently is going to help Theresa May out of a hole so that he can share the blame for the biggest blunder in modern British politics. Give me a small break. 0344 499 uh, We've got a host of brilliant guests coming up today, including Theresa May's former communications chief, Katie Perrier. But most of all, we want to hear from you, the people that actually know how to fix this problem. And we're going to try and kick off with as many callers as we possibly can in this first hour. So please do call us 0344 499 You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on Talk Radio, live from Westminster, in the most historic week since last week. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. So just when you thought, after our show yesterday, when there was lots of talk of compromise, lots of talk of deals being done, lots of talk of finding some middle ground, every single MP that came into the tent of shame yesterday basically agreed that we had reached the point of no return, that we had reached the point where we had to really sit down around a table with all of the people who are interested in finding a way forward here and come up with a plan that everybody could stand around and re- be reasonably happy with. Even if it wasn't exactly what everybody wanted, at least it would be a move in the right direction. Unfortunately, though... Theresa May has decided that her move in the right direction uh, is to go and consult with Jeremy Corbyn, a man uh, who very clearly has done everything that he possibly can at any stage of this particular ghastly process uh, to put a roadblock in the way of every single thing that Theresa May has tried to do. Every single government motion has been voted against by Labour. Every single amendment tabled by the government uh, has been uh, totally voted down by Labour. And Jeremy Corbyn himself, of course, has had to play this kind of fence-sitting ridiculousness where he pretends that he wants to stay in the European Union uh, when he's talking to people in London, like Sadiq Khan uh, and the various voters in London who voted to remain. And then when he goes up to the north of England, where he talks to Labour's heartlands and says, we will leave 
because that's what you want us to do. He pretends that he wants to leave. What we do know historically from Jeremy Corbyn, because of his background as a very left-wing socialist, he doesn't like the European Union. He doesn't like its construct. He doesn't like what it wants to do. He doesn't like its overarching global agenda. And he basically is a small-time communist stroke Marxist. That's what he is. I make no bones about that. I don't believe that's an insult. And I'm sure if Jeremy Corbyn thinks it's an insult, uh, that he's moved a lot further to the centre than I thought uh, he actually had. Let's go now uh, and speak to Daniel, who is in Epsom. Hi, Daniel. Mike, hi, mate. She is destroying, she's destroying my Conservative Party. She the is. The people that are ripping up. She is, she's destroying the only credible party in the country. Yeah. She, she'll end up, we'll end up with a, with a far-left Marxist in number 10. She's, what she needs to do, if she wants to win the next election, right, by a landslide, is we need to remove her right now, put someone like Boris in charge, he says to the EU, we're, we're going to be leaving and we'll negotiate with you after we have left, right? If you look at the latest Comrades poll, that, that no deal is the most popular amongst uh, the electorate. Over 70, over 70% of her own membership want that as well. And actually, it's the only clean way of delivering Brexit and moving on. Yeah. We will get some short-term pain. I'm sure we will, but we need to use the £39 billion to support certain industries. This is what we have to do to get yeah. out of this quagmire and put it to bed, Mike, because she's destroying my Conservative Party, mate. I'm a member, and if, I, I can see it. People are taking up their membership cards and cutting them in half. Yeah, the fact absolutely. That she would, the, fact that she, the fact that we would even consider the fifth largest economy in the world, the fact that we would even consider having a customs union with the EU that we don't have a say on, why would we ever do that? We can't make our own trade deals. That's basically the point of Brexit. She has to go. The woman has to go. Well, I've got absolutely no confidence, Daniel, and I'm sure you don't either, in anything uh, that Jeremy Corbyn and she cook up together. One, I don't think they can cook anything up together because all of the things that he will want to ask for, he will know that she can't give him. That's the way he plays the game. He's not going to help her out. Why would he want to have his name attached to this ridiculous and useless uh, Brexit agreement that she's about to try and deliver to the public? If I was him, I would go into the talks and just stymie her at every possible opportunity, but not by deliberately doing it, but by asking for things that he knows she can't give her. Yeah, he, yeah but he runs the worst Majesty's opposition in British political history. The less we talk about him, the better. What yes. I do want to concentrate on is this: is my Conservative Party is being destroyed by her because she's trying to appease everyone. Yeah. We will have to have a no-deal Brexit, and that's the... Yes, it'll be painful, but most hard things in politics are. I'm sure that all the, all the things in our history were difficult, but they were difficult, but we had to do them. And we're Britain. We have to leave the EU without a deal. And we, Listen, the moment we leave without a deal, they'll be bending over backwards to do a deal with the fifth largest economy in the world. But because she's had her own ministers conspiring against her and people trying to ban a no-deal Brexit, we've, that's why she's got such a terrible deal. The best deal for us is to leave without a deal. Everyone's saying it in the country. Most people want it. No, I think you're absolutely right. Daniel, great way to kick off the show. Thank you very much indeed for making that point. 0344-499-1000. The idea that Jeremy Corbyn is going to save us and get Theresa May out of the Brexit hole that she has dug for herself is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. We've already got one resignation this morning. Nigel Adams uh, is the first cabinet minister who has quit because of Theresa May's Brexit compromise with Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, he says he's accusing her of cooking up a deal with a Marxist who has never once in his political life put British interests first. 
And I've got uh, a tweet here uh, from Bottomley who says, Mike, have you got the resignation klaxon ready? It could be a busy morning. So I think uh, we should put you guys on notice back in the studio. Uh, get the klaxon ready because uh, we might be having some resignations. We'll also be checking in, of course, uh, with the Brexit countdown clock to nowhere. This is Talk Radio. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. If you got troubles, I got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. If we stick together, we can see it through. Cause you got a friend in me. Yeah, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn, possibly the oddest couple ever. Um, quite extraordinary uh, thing to do, really, for Theresa May. The man that she has constantly barracked, constantly insulted, uh, constantly derided, constantly given absolutely no time of the day to, uh, is basically decided to get him to help her out of the Brexit muddle in which she finds herself. Felix says, May knew Jeremy Corbyn uh, would not agree a common position. This is just dropping the dead cat on the table. The real agenda is that May is erasing her red lines. Uh, and Flat Earther says, Our government is portrayed to the world that our country is weak, incompetent, unable to govern itself, and is on its knees. But the truth is that it's just Parliament. Our country has never been in a stronger position financially. It is time for May to go now. Uh, I'm delighted to say that we are joined by our first MP of the day. Uh, Chris Bryant, Labour MP for Rhonda, uh, has joined us. Chris, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the Tent of Shame. Good morning. Now, I just want to take issue with you. Do you? As I have taken issue with the speaker, it's Rhonda. Rhonda. Double D is a TH. Rhonda. If I don't say that, my constituents will get very okay. angry. Uh, you talked about the odd couple. Yes. I met Walter Matthau once. Did you? Because I wrote a biography of Glenda Jackson. Right. And he was fascinating, um, not least because he Very admitted, funny man. Very funny man. But he admitted to having signed the Stockholm Peace Pledge, which was a, sim- a symbol of being a member of the Communist Party. Right. But deliberately doing it... In, Ineligible, uh, illegibly rather, right. so that nobody would know it was so him. So the McCarthy couldn't get him. Exactly so. <laughs> well, there's all sorts of principles that you can have, right? Yes, uh, many it's been like them, the ERG. Well, indeed, like the ERG, like uh, Jeremy Corbyn in some ways, some would say, because Jeremy Corbyn is all things to all men, isn't he? And indeed women. Um, he can be, on the one hand, a Remainer. Uh, on the other hand, he can be a Lever. Uh, he can be um, a socialist and he can be a kind of a centrist. He's a man of many parts, is he not? And many missions. Yes. Um, I mean, there is no way, right, no, that but, this but is going to work. No, but serious point here, that, mm. which is that the Labour Party represents um, some of the most Remain voting seats and some of the most Leave voting seats. And that that does pose a genuine, you know, in a democratic society, that poses a genuine yeah. set of challenges it to does. the Labour Party. And Labour has risen to those challenges very well. Emily Thornberry says that you're Remainers in your hearts. Uh, and, of course, uh, Barry well, Gardner I, I, says that you're no longer the party of Remain. Well, I... I'm not here to speak for the party. I can only speak for myself today, I'm afraid. Luckily. And I, I have said many times, I was a Remainer, I remain a Remainer, and I'll remain a Remainer until my dying day. Indeed. Unless I have it's to a become a rejoiner. That. Right. Well, this probably is. Well, so let's talk with, uh, about the matter at hand. The matter at hand being that Theresa May has finally decided that it's a good idea to seek uh, guidance from uh, colleagues in the House. And she's now going to sit down with Jeremy Corbyn and hatch a plan. I can't see what they can agree on, though, because he's presumably going to say to her, we would like to have a customs union attached to your agreement, uh, and we would also like um, uh, a referendum afterwards to make sure that the people still want to go down that road. Two things which she said she'll never do. Yes, and uh, but obviously, if she, because she's now effectively, as one of your callers said earlier, it, right, um, erasing her red lines, mm. which were in her manifesto in the last general election, 
it only stands to reason, Jeremy's argument only stands to reason that if, if this is the route that we do now go down, go down, we must put that to the British people for a final say because they didn't have a say. That's not what they voted for in 2016. It's not what they voted for in 2017. So they should have the final say. Well, of course, the people who did vote to leave the European Union say you have no idea why they voted and you don't know what reason they used to vote. And they might say, actually, well, it doesn't matter why we voted. We voted and we voted to leave. And so why are we not doing it? Fine. But if the, uh, Theresa May, as I understand it, is now saying she's open to the idea of a customs union, but her, she has repeatedly said in the House of Commons that um, the, uh, both the Labour Party and the Conservative Party said that we would not be signing up to a customs union in our manifestos. Mm. I mean, she's not entirely right, but nonetheless, that's what she's kept, kept on saying. If she's now erasing that red line, which I think would be a good thing, but nonetheless, that's not, that is clearly not what people voted for in the general election. So there should, it should go back to the British people. And it's certainly not what the Conservative Party stands for, by and large. I mean, there are, no, there are very few members of the Conservative Party that want to have a customs union, uh, because whenever it was voted upon, uh, they very much strongly voted against it. The trouble is, of course, Chris, as you know better than anybody, um, this is a problem that sol is solved by... by by no political party at all. I mean, I, for the first time yesterday, mm. interviewing lots of different MPs, many of them Labour, yesterday were saying things like compromise is what we need, um, you know, consensus is what we need. And it was the first time, really, I'd heard people saying that, that they were moving away from their sort of very hard-line positions. And so I was quite well, hopeful yesterday well, I've that been something saying might it, be done. I've been saying it for a very long time um, because... I remember saying to David Davies, remember when he was the Brexit secretary? That long ago, yes, no, exactly. I don't remember that. I, I remember no. saying to him, look, if you really want to achieve a settlement that will last for um, generations rather than just a sticking plaster for the next, you know, to get you through the next year, you really will have to bring together the whole of the House and that will mean consensus across the House. This, all these conversations should have happened before we triggered Article 50, not after. Um, and so that we had a, a, a shared national position that we were taking forward to the European Union. Yeah. We didn't. And um, so now we are stuck with the worst government, I think, in history. Um, I would a say prime so. minister that had, I mean, a, a, a cabinet that is clearly dysfunctional yeah. because they all say things behind doors and then have to say something. Well, tragically, yesterday we were all waiting for the dreaded eight hour meeting to finish so that we might find out what went on. But it was yeah. so boring that nobody even leaked anything. After they got their phones back, they said nothing. <laughs> I think they're all in shock. It's a sort of catatonic well, shock. Well, I'm, I think I'm beginning to think that Theresa May has gone to some kind of Swiss clinic where they teach you how to sort of basically stun everybody and bore everyone into submission. It's not about winning an argument. It's just about going on and on and on for so long that people just go, OK, enough, I give I in. I think some people in the country have felt, and sometimes I've felt this, a bit of sort of sympathy for Theresa May but actually I don't anymore at no. all because her intransigence has been her biggest failing yes um, trees that do not bend snap in the end mm. and um, you know I mean I think there is a solution to all of this which is if she wants if she tabled tomorrow my deal with um, but it gets put to the British people, I would vote for that. And a lot of people would vote for that as well. But the British people, a lot of them would feel betrayed then because they would say, hang on, we already voted to leave once. Why is it, and I, I repeat this ad nauseum and people who listen to this yep. show will know it, why is it that if you want to leave the European Union, you have to vote twice and win twice? If you want to stay in it, you only have to win it once. Um, 
Well, the truth is that what people voted for in 2016, who who knows what was in the in in each individual's heart? Mm. I don't know. I don't think we um, can we can speculate. Uh, no, we can't. But my anxiety is that we are hurtling towards no deal Brexit. I know there are lots of people that because of the way Cameron and Osborne ran the campaign last time, which is all full of fear and all the rest of Project Fear, all of that. They think that this is Project Fear now. But it is just true that when the police stop you now, they and they look you up or your car number plate up, they use all the um, the political the police intelligence across the whole of Europe. The moment we leave without a deal, they can no longer do that. And that puts us at risk um, in, on international crime, paedophilia and the rest. But there's no reason why they can't restart that situation. But we haven't got time to get into all that, I'm afraid, because the t- time is of the essence. Well, Chris. there is a reason you can't, but anyway. No, there isn't. The reason, the reason I can't is because I have to go and uh, no, pay, no, I understand pay, that. pay the <laughs> bills. That's why we have to stop. But you, if you want to hang around, we can talk about it some more. Chris <laughs> I'm not Bryan. paying your bills. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I'm paying yours, actually. That's the other way around, isn't it? Chris well, Bryant's I'm probably here. paying yours indirectly by the company. I'm paying I... yours through my taxes, mate. I can tell you that. <laughs> I Chris pay Bryant... taxes as well. Yeah, well, not enough to, to fund your own lifestyle, though. Let's not go on there. <laughs> this is not getting anywhere. Chris Bryant is here. Uh, and he's now going uh, to pay my uh, bills for me. Thank you very much indeed. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier-sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Imagine, if you will, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn, hand in hand, dancing through the wheat field to that. And if you think of that as an image... It's hard to get it out of your head, really. Uh, I can't see this particular odd couple working in any way, shape or form. I can't see them finding a way through uh, the Brexit stalemate in which we find ourselves. We were just talking uh, there to Chris Bryant, uh, Labour MP for Ronda, uh, as he told me to pronounce it. And he said, basically, uh, that if she was to agree to a customs union uh, and possibly to a referendum for people to, uh, to, val- to, to val- verify uh, what it is that the government and the Labour Party could come up with, that he would vote for it. And I'm sure a lot of other people would, but I can't see that happening. We're going to talk now, though, to Tom Brake, uh, Lib Dem spokesman on Brexit, and, of course, the MP for Carl Shorten. Tom, welcome back to the Tent of Shame. I'd like to say that since I saw you here last, we've sort of moved on somehow, but we don't seem to have, really, and I really don't understand why Theresa May has suddenly decided that Jeremy Corbyn is the answer. Well, you're right. We've been treading water on this issue now for months and months and Mm. months. I think uh, what the Prime Minister may be seeking to do, I'm afraid, is that with literally hours to go before she has to give an explanation to the EU as to why she wants an extension, uh, she is trying to engage Jeremy Corbyn and perhaps the other opposition parties, although she hasn't expressed an interest in talking to us. Um, But I think this may be more about sharing the blame than it is actually trying to find a way forward. But he's not that stupid, is he, Jeremy Corbyn? And why would he want to have his name added to the list of, uh, of, of sort of rogues gallery uh, informants, if you like, uh, who will be blamed if it all goes horribly wrong? Surely for him, it's going to be a part of the game that he's continually played, which is to suggest that she does things that he knows she can't do. Thereby, they go nowhere and waste more of our time. Well, yes, I, I think for him, it, it would be a very, very high-risk venture if he were to help the Prime Minister deliver Brexit. So I'd, I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if mm. at some point in the next few days, uh, he and she are there on the steps of number 10, holding hands, waving a piece yeah. of paper that says, peace in our time. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, despite many uh, times of asking and, and, and because of some of the things that even his own ministers have said contradictorily, um, we still don't really know what Labour's position is on Brexit. And he's kind of been reluctant all along 
to put his, uh, uh, his, his, kind of his, his heart on the line, if you like. Well, something that we will be pressing him to do if he is going to engage in, in conversation with the Prime Minister on this issue, and I do wish she, she had done this a thousand days ago mm. rather than, than, than now, pressing him to, to, to include a people's vote in those negotiations. It is, after all, his party policy, uh, and I hope that will be reflected in the dis- any discussions that he might have mm. with the Prime Minister. Are you disappointed as a, as a party that, he didn't, that, that, that the Prime Minister didn't ask Vince Cable to join in the conversation or, or have any kind of re- uh, re- representation uh, from your side? Well, I understand what she's doing. Uh, that what, what she's doing is trying to uh, add sufficient MPs from another party to get her deal across the line. Clearly, if she gets Jeremy Corbyn on board, then she will have the numbers to get a deal through. And I mm. guess that is that is part of her thinking, as as well as, I believe, perhaps uh, trying to get him to share the blame. And then as far as the whole kind of uh, customs union scenario goes, which is what we seem to be trying to drag ourselves towards, certainly in the Houses of Parliament behind us there, is that something that the Lib Dems would go with? Or would you still stay staunchly on the outside saying, no, we don't want to leave? Well, I'm, I'm in the same position. We're in the same position as, as Chris Bryant just set out, which is that although actually for the UK economy, the customs union is very bad, if a majority of MPs believe that's the way forward and it is linked to a people's vote, we would we would help that through because we, we do have to have something to consider. But, I mean, look at what, what the Customs Union... But it's union, not leaving the EU at all, is it? Well, what the Customs Union means is if you look at Turkey, which is in exactly the same position as we would be if we secured just a Customs Union, Turkey has, to com- has no say whatsoever in the trade deals that the EU agrees, but has to comply with them. Yeah. Um, so we would be in that same position. I think for the United Kingdom, that would be a very bad position to well, be in. Well, it's a pretty tough sell as well, isn't it, to tell well, the public this is what we've done with your, uh, your vote to leave. But it's also a tough sell for business because of course the customs union may address things to do with goods but actually most of the UK economy is is around services overwhelmingly about services and of course the customs union does nothing at all for that so from a business point of view in other words from a jobs point of view in the UK the customs union is not the solution. No it really isn't and also the problem for for the future and going forward with the agreements is um, you know we don't really know what's going to happen in the future to the European Union uh, to what they may decide to do over trade deals over what other countries they might decide to co-opt you know it's, it's i mean people talk about a blindfold brexit i mean that's about as blindfold as you can get isn't it well it is and that's why obviously as you'll know the lib dems we're arguing to stay in the european union so at least we will be around the table when those trade negotiations take place if we adopt a customs union approach those negotiations will be happening yeah. but we will have absolutely no say we won't be around the table at all but this is where people smell a bit of a rat i think and i know you've got to run so i'll keep this very short the bottom line for me will be that if we were to get corbyn and may around the table agreeing on a customs union deal, putting that then back to the people for a second referendum, you guys would be campaigning to remain, wouldn't you? And you'd be campaigning very hard to remain. And that, to a lot of people, would be absolutely unpalatable. Well, yes, it would be. But at the same time, I think hopefully even you would agree, Mike, that... Even um, me. I love that, it. ...that in the referendum campaign three years ago, no one, was, no one said who was arguing for leave, customs union is what leave means. Mm. Uh, and therefore, the public 
wouldn't have voted for that. No one was arguing for that. that. If we end up with that as the offer, then I think that makes it legitimate to put it back to the people. It may well do. Uh, we'll take the temperature of the public on that one. Tom, thank you very much indeed. Tom Brink there uh, from the Lib Dem saying quite honestly and quite rightly uh, that he thinks it, so it would ne- be necessary to put it back to the people if in fact a customs union deal is the one that we end up with. However, you'd have to say, would you not, if you voted leave, you would at this point already feel pretty betrayed that that's the route we're going down because I think every Everybody with an ounce of common sense really does understand that what was going on here is nothing to do with how we leave, it's how we stay. And basically all those people who are now sort of making noises about trying to attach the customs union to the agreement are doing so purely because they don't want to leave. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. So here we are. The world always looks a brighter place when Katie Perry is sitting next I've to me. I've missed you. A very good morning to you, Ms. Perry. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Jim Fitzpatrick's with us as well. Jim, morning, a friend of the show, likes to come into the tent of shame whenever he can. Uh, today, at least the sun is shining, but it's patchy, which is very much a bit like the political landscape, isn't it? I mean, what on earth is Jeremy Corbyn going to do when he sits down with Theresa May in the room and tries to come up with some idea of what they can agree on? Well, I don't see why it's such a surprise. If you look to what Labour were asking for right at the start, they wanted a customs union, not the customs union. They wanted a trade arrangement. They wanted security protocols. They wanted to protect the Good Friday Agreement, and they wanted an implementation period. The withdrawal agreement covers all of those aspects. Well, why do they keep voting what, against it? Then? Well, what we're talking about is emphasis. Jeremy's yeah. saying he wants more clarity on a customs union, and he wants greater assurity on workers' rights, which the Prime Minister... Um, uh, and government from a dispatch box has already committed itself to. Uh, So again, we're talking about the language and we're talking about the wording. So I don't think it's beyond the bounds of possibility that they could actually arrive at a conclusion which is acceptable to both sides because it's quite clear the Prime Minister cannot get a deal relying only on her own side because the ERG hardliners and the DUP won't play ball. Therefore, she has to look in the other direction and half the Parliamentary Labour Party would support a softer Brexit, and I think that's what she's now trying to achieve. Right. And in some ways, Katie, I kind of have a little bit of admiration for her because she's basically stuck two fingers up to the, to the ERG uh, and the DUP, which maybe she should have done a lot longer ago, uh, to actually find a bit of common ground. You might remember many moons ago when I said to you, surely what we should be doing here is getting people together who believe in Brexit, who want Brexit from all parties, put them in charge of making it happen. Effectively, now she's finally doing what I told her to do. Good point. I mean, one of the things I think Jim may have missed out about what Jeremy Corbyn wants is he wants his hands completely off of Brexit and he wants the Conservative Party to basically sweat it out and crash and burn over the next kind of six to 12 months. Mm. And then he wants to ride to the rescue to say that he is a Prime Minister who can be anti you know, against the austerity measures from the previous Conservative government and come and rescue the day. He does not want to be anywhere near this. And why would you, quite frankly? No, exactly. And so I think that Theresa May has done something quite clever, although quite possibly you're right, Mike, we should have done this several weeks ago. Very clever to, to bring him into the mess and say, look, mate, We've gone down every other route possible. We've asked parliamentarians to come up with something. 
we have failed as a Conservative Party. Parliament has failed collectively to come to some kind of agreement. You cannot escape from this. You cannot walk away from getting yourself... You have a responsibility. You're leader of the opposition. I think it's a little bit of a trap, Mike. It could well be a trap, but then presumably he's a smart enough guy to see that it's a trap, but to see that he has to take part in the process, right? Would he not, if he was a smart guy, then ask for things that he knows he can't, that she can't give? For example, um, uh, a reformatory, uh, a confirmatory vote uh, for a second referendum, because she surely can't agree to that, can she? Well, I think it's interesting, and I don't uh, disagree with Katie's uh, analysis at all. Many of us thought that um, the big mistake was that she didn't reach out much earlier. This was a 50-48 decision. It was clearly never going to satisfy everybody. There should have been a national approach, maybe national negotiations. But having extended the offer to Jeremy, this morning he's saying he understands his responsibility. I think Jeremy, being the Eurosceptic that he has always been, would have been much happier not to have his fingerprints on any kind of Brexit deal. I think now he realises if this is going to be resolved, he has to take that responsibility and play his part. It was interesting that Rebecca um, Long-Bailey, being interviewed this morning, said if, if Labour is able to secure a decent enough agreement with the government, she doesn't see why it would have to go to a confirmatory vote. Uh, and in that instance, they avoid the second referendum, which has always been Jeremy's difficulty, that half the shadow cabinet and between 70 to 100 Labour MPs do not support a second referendum. Um, so he will have to get his hands dirty. And I think this is a real test of Jeremy yeah. about what he can deliver for the country, not just for the party, because he's been pointing the finger at the Prime Minister, rightly in many people's eyes, that she's been more concerned about keeping the Conservative Party together than the country. Now she's saying country first. Jeremy now has to say country first. He's also going to have his own problems, Katie, isn't he? Convincing the Labour Party because, of course, um, uh, we've seen plenty of members of the Labour Party, Owen Smith amongst them, who stood against him for the leadership uh, uh, some time ago, uh, who is a staunch Remainer, does not want to leave the European Union. Uh, we've also had Emily Thornberry appearing on television at the weekend saying, in our hearts we are Remainers in the Labour Party. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of people to persuade, hasn't he? Well, it suited him really well up until now to have his fingerprints off of Brexit, not just because he wants to give the Tories enough rope, um, but because his party is as split on the issue as anybody else. But that's understandable. Parliament's split on the issue, the parties themselves are split, and the country itself is divided. And so he doesn't really want to wash his dirty linen in public and have those rows out on radio stations and programmes like yours, Mike, where members of the Labour Party are kind of, you know, red on red, arguing about the, the pros and cons of a second referendum. And he wanted to keep that contained, and he pro probably tried a lot of the times to say to his own party, look... You know, let them have those problems, not us. Keep that within ourselves. I wonder that round that cabinet table, you know, all of those cabinet ministers yesterday, and no one has yet reminded. What have they been resigned? What have they been promised? Well, we had one resignation this morning, haven't we? We've had Nigel Adams yeah. uh, go, the Welsh minister. Right. Uh, we've got only, the klaxon ready for the next he's one. He's only been in the job for a little while. Um, <laughs> so um, I don't think that he's, he's, that's a massive resignation in terms of the fact that the government's going to lose someone that has been in the job for a very yeah. long time, that's like entrenched in the role. But um, I wonder if around the cabinet table she may well have said, look, right, this is an opportunity that if we do have to go to an election at some point or we are faced with something in the future we don't want to do, this is an opportunity to really, really pin Jeremy Corbyn's you know, colours to the mask, understand exactly what his Brexit pr process is, what, you know, what exactly he wants to achieve, how he's massively at odds with his own party on several of these aspects. And I think that you know, she would almost have said, look, guys... We can be smart about this. We can be a little bit cleverer. 
we we don't find ourselves with absolutely no options we're running out of options there are still some left and one of them is to do over Jeremy Corbyn in the process yeah and Jim I mean obviously there's not many people in the Tory party who won an election uh, what's the Labour position on that I mean the polls are showing that maybe Corbyn would win but not by enough to really form a proper government well, Labour is keen to get a general election as soon as possible, um, and the leadership are supremely confident uh, that we would win. When you look at uh, but not 20, by much, though, right? Well, if you look at the 2017 general election, when we were 20 points down, we came away with a score draw away from home. Um, we didn't win, but we certainly didn't lose. Right. And in that instance, I think they were well, encouraged. Well, you actually did lose. I, well, know, I, that, well, I, know, well, I know what you no, mean. No, I, I, accept, I accept that. Um, not all given, of your colleagues do, Jim. Given, well, I certainly <laughs> do. Um, given uh, where we were starting from, it didn't feel like a defeat. No. It's when you're 3 nil down. I mean, yeah, you're right. It did, I mean, Theresa May felt like she lost, even yeah, though she it, didn't. You're 3 nil down. You end up with a score draw. You think, that was a great result. You know, yeah. it's a result. Um, but it wasn't a win, and I accept that. Um, but, of course... Having started with 20 points down and having fought to a score draw, Labour is thinking at this point in time, if we are on level pegging, or as one or two of the polls at the weekend said, we're up to five points ahead, we're starting in a much better position. Uh, and given how badly the Prime Minister performed at the last general election, there would be optimism in Labour ranks to say we can actually mm. score a bigger result. And then in that instance, Labour is keen to see a general election, but it needs a two-thirds majority in the Commons. And I don't think the Conservative no. Party will vote for it. I don't think they want one. But also, what, what I'm seeing as well, Katie, and you'll probably be seeing this as well, certainly on, on social media, people that call my show are basically saying things like, we're never voting for the two main parties again. We've been completely and utterly betrayed, uh, either by uh, the, the, the Labour Party for, 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 for delaying uh, the leaving of the European Union, for the Tory Party for messing it all up. You know, they feel betrayed by the whole Brexit process. I mean, and that's a worry, isn't it, for the political system? It's a real worry, because what happens often in that scenario is that extremists get, get, get involved. Yeah. And so you get the Tommy Robinsons on one side of the party, and then you get momentum from the other side of the political divide. And actually, what we do know is really, you know, where you win is mostly from the centre. Um, it doesn't matter what way you look at it. One way we disagree, Jim, on uh, Jeremy Corbyn's stance is that I don't think he does want a general election now. Oh, really? I think it's all talk about an election now because, first of all, why would you want to take over now when Brexit's not in the bag one way or another? You're going to be the one that negotiates with the EU and tries to carry the country. Isn't Se it the secondly, fact, though, that you always want to be the Prime Minister? No, no matter I, what. I mean, that's no, the game, isn't it? I, in normal politics, definitely. I mean, you know, Gordon Brown's wanted to be Prime Minister yeah. since he was born. You know, Theresa May's wanted to be Prime Minister since she was in her Look teens. Look how it turned out for him. You know, uh, the, the, in normal politics, yes, but this is not normal times. And I think that Jeremy Corbyn is a 30-year, lifelong, outside campaigner. He's anti-establishment. He, he doesn't see himself as someone that's going to be opening that black door of number 10. But he's going to sock it to the Conservative Party to make it very difficult for them to do. And he's going to lead his party, potentially, in the next few years, where he tries to find someone he can hand over. I actually don't think Jeremy Corbyn wants to be Prime Minister. He's not shown any any kind of indication over the last year where he could a couple of times have really socked it to the Conservative Party and taken Prime Minister, potentially taken Prime Minister down. His handling of the anti-Semitism crisis, no way is that kind of leadership material that is destined for number he 10. Do, he does seem uneasy with, with the sort of number one position, Jim, doesn't he? I mean, even down to the point where when you watch him being interviewed, he's got a bit better lately, but yeah. he's got this kind of, you know, visage of grumpiness. He doesn't like to be asked questions. He doesn't feel as though it's anybody's right to put him on the spot. But, but he's not very charming, you know, all of that. I, I accept that, mate, but what you see with Jeremy is what you get. He's never had personal ambition. 
I mean, he only stood to be leader of uh, the Labour Party because it was his turn. Yeah. Because everybody else in the campaign group uh, had had a go, and it was Jeremy's turn. Well, I to wish have I, mean, a go. I wish you'd told Owen Smith that because he really wants to be prime but minister. But now he now he isn't <laughs> now he isn't the number one spot. Um, it is not personal ambition which drives him. It is political ambition, uh, and the left in the Labour Party, having the hard left in the Labour Party, having taken over. Uh, and have consolidated their grip on the party, they want now to do to the country what they've done to the party and transform it. That's and bad it, news, isn't it? That sounds horrendous. It, transform it the way they think the country that should sounds be sounds painful, that. Jeremy Corbyn is their prisoner. Yeah. He's the prisoner of the left of the Labour Party. I don't think he wants to do it. I don't think he wants to do the job anymore. His family certainly don't want him to be in that job anymore. They've said several times, you know, you've had comments in various books and things saying, give me my father back. Those kind of comments. He has been held prisoner by the left of his party because they realise that once Jeremy Corbyn goes, they don't really have someone with the same level of adoration within their side of the party that Jeremy Corbyn currently has. He, you know, we talked in the past about Theresa May being the puppet of the Conservative Party, puppet of a henchman before, you know, being told what to do from number 10. Jeremy Corbyn's that from the far left. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got the Tom Watson faction uh, of the Labour Party, and um, in many ways he may be more ambitious uh, personally to be Prime Minister than Jeremy Corbyn. How is that sort of struggle going within the party? Well, I think it's uh, reflecting um, what's happening in the country to a certain extent. If we were able to get rid of the fog of Brexit, which is obscuring all the domestic issues, if we had a general election on the issues that Labour wants to fight on, which is public services, which is a real end to austerity, which is dealing with executive pay, which is getting the railways to run on time, um, to make sure the NHS has got the, the resources it has. If we focus on the domestic issues, there's an appetite in the country for change. Um, it's only Brexit which is preventing that from coming through, which I think is another very solid position for Labour. When it comes to a general election, people will want to change. I think Katie's point about the threat of extremists moving in and filling the vacuum because they see Labour and Conservatives letting them down is a real one. But if we can get past Brexit and focus on the domestic issues, I think Labour's platform is much stronger than the Conservatives. But what point does the Labour Party realise that with any other political leader other than Jeremy Corbyn, they'd probably smash it. They'd probably, you know, be 10 to 15 points ahead in the polls, minimum. They will win the next general election. At what point do they dump him? I think um, uh, if Jeremy uh, was read the right act as the Prime Minister has had um, her fortune read to her over the past month, Jeremy would walk away tomorrow. Um, Jeremy is still there because Jeremy is a real asset. Jeremy is a cult figure for the mass of the membership. He gets fantastic reviews wherever he turns up in the country. People turning up in their thousands, even tens of thousands, and wanting selfies taken. I mean, Jeremy is, notwithstanding um, all the deficits in his personality, the lack of personal ambition, um, the inability to project that self into interviews, the grumpiness, all of the negatives are outweighed by the positives. And in that instance, Jeremy will stay as long as people want him to stay. If Jeremy is told by Alexa Lemma McCluskey and his inner cabinet that actually, Jeremy, you're now holding us back from moving forward, um, Jeremy would go because personal ambition is not what drives him. OK. Jim, thanks very much indeed. Jim Fitzpatrick, uh, Katie Perry, I'm not sure if you can, but if you can, do hang around. It'd be bad news for me if the Labour Party get into power because half the front bench have blocked me on Twitter, so I wouldn't know what they were doing half the time. But there we are. Uh, that's what you get for disagreeing with the Labour Party. In good times, in bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. Now, this is
is not conjuring up any images for me at all. We've already had the one of uh, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn around the fountain with friends. Uh, we've already had the one of them running through a wheat field together, holding hands in the sunshine. I like those two images. That one really doesn't conjure it up. But they are the oddest couple in politics now, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn. They're going to uh, sneak off into a room later on this afternoon uh, and try to come to some arrangement, uh, the like of which I suspect we've never seen before. Uh, I'm joined now, though, by Mark Dolan, uh, the comedian and raconteur, I suppose is the best way to introduce you, isn't it? Well, look, uh, Michael, uh, I try. Uh, if you and I were to sort of be, uh, I don't know, if there was a shorthand for us as a partnership, yeah. we might be cut quite an unusual couple. An unusual couple, no. yeah, but nobody is odd, really, as Jeremy but, Corbyn well, and Theresa May. Two individuals who, more or less, each of them in their different ways, have a major personality disorder. Yeah, they do. I mean, I mean not, not is, an ounce you know, of charisma between them, right? No, I mean, Theresa May is not, uh, she's not unintelligent. Um, no. And she certainly has a work ethic. But there's just something wrong with her as a human being. Yeah, there that, is. I mean, she, she first of all cannot communicate. This, right. Do you know her deal? I mean, it's outstanding. <laughs> it's a coup. But can she sell it? But she of can't sell it. Not. But she hasn't tried to you sell know, it. Unemployment is so low now. Yeah. That there are some statisticians that are calling it zero employment. Is that right? Or full employment. Right. Because the bottom line is, uh, you know... The economy well, anything not below, I mean, technically, anything below five percent is relatively fully. Bingo, bingo. So, but look, there you go. So, we've actually, since she got in, I mean, communication is not is not her strong point. And you've realised, and I think whoever takes over, by the way, can we just have someone that is able to sell what they're doing? Yes. I cannot believe I'm sat here outside Parliament with you, harking back to the days of Tony Blair, I know, Mr. Campbell, and spin. I know. Well, that's the camera's just over there. He just Do walked you know past why? me because they got stuff done. Well, they did get stuff done. I mean, people are now hideously against Tony Blair. In a a way that I think is actually quite unfair, yeah. and I'll, I'll get now pelters on uh, on uh, uh, Twitter for saying that. But I've always been a great admirer of Tony Blair's in terms of what he did uh, to change the way that government was done, to change the way society was done as well in many ways. Well, the real, yeah, of course. What you know, it's transformative. Yeah. And, and you know, the biggest thing as well. I, there's this line about the Queen, by the way, which is the greatest legacy of the Queen. Yeah. She didn't. She's not done much over the decades, but um, the monarchy still being there is her legacy. Yeah. Right? Tony Blair. Well, you really, say she hasn't done much. I mean, she's presided over an awful a lot of stuff that's gone on around her and, and you'd have to say that you wouldn't know that she had her fingerprints anywhere near it but she may well have well, it's a good point and also the her mood music uh, after diana's yeah. uh, death was uh, was you know maybe sort of not the best pr but she never really put her foot in it um and i think for labor and i think um actually corbyn should take a leaf out of tony blair's book which is winning three elections that's an end in itself it was a sustained period yes. for, uh, in power for Labour. Um, it's funny because people always go, um, Tony Blair was good except for the Iraq war. Yeah. If you take the Iraq war away, right. he was great. But that's a bit like saying my, my neighbour Steve is a great guy. <laughs> Apart from being a wife beater, he's a terrific bloke. Well, I mean, I think you'd be slightly unfair to him. But I mean, I blame Alistair Campbell for the Iraq war, to be honest, because he was the one that sexed yeah, up the dossier. Well, in even, some ways, though he, even though he says he didn't. You know, um, you know, I, I I blame him for that. They were so good at spin, and they were so good at messaging. I mean, they nailed. I mean, it. I remember watching uh, Colin Powell at the UN pointing to pictures of what looked like the North Circular Road to me, uh, <laughs> saying, you know, and I'm like, there's no chance that they've they've got any weapons of mass destruction. They can't even make a car. Yeah. No, that's right. You know, they have no capability to do anything. I remember a uh, double-page pullout in the Sun, uh, where they had the sort of map of where they would be, and I just from reading the Sun, it was it, I was satisfied that yeah. there were no WMDs. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Well, and that's when the Sun was like about 25p. So it's yes, and in black and white, less than a pound to get uh, the intelligence, in, and probably in black and white. <laughs> well, that's where Alistair Campbell got it from as well. To be fair, I mean, in fact, he drew it and put it in there. Uh, because in those days, everyone did what Alistair Campbell wanted. Uh, otherwise, he threatened to get them fired. So then there's Jeremy Corbyn, who uh, is... Uh, well, I, you, you touched on it earlier 
in your in your show, which is that he doesn't really want to be prime minister. He doesn't really w- even want to be leader. I don't think of the Labour Party. He'd like to be out there with the banners. Yes, yeah. that's, that's his habitat. Yeah, you know. Funnily enough, there's a protest going on down here at the moment, and it's one of those protests you wouldn't want anything to do with because nobody knows what they're protesting about. And when we were told what they were protesting about, we had never heard of it. It's something to do with loan um, charges or something like yeah, that. Something uh, to do it's, with it's HMRC. It to do, it, yeah. Something to do with the tax man, right? That's right. So I don't know what the hell they're protesting here they, for. They should be the up the road. Way. They needed well, a strategy. Well, they really did. And also, when you have to explain to people what it is you're against, then it's really not a good time, is it? It's not It's not great. And uh, also, but what about these people who I think are glorified, the protesters? Should we listen to them? No. What are they doing? What day is it today? It's, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yeah. it's Wednesday at five to one. Why aren't they working? I'm interested in hearing the people who've That's got businesses and jobs. Yes. People who are at toil, like you are. Yeah. You know, as well, the I nation's mean, servant. It's not people, I mean, I, whenever I say I have this, I have a job, people say that's not a job. It's not. Well, I'm not feeling that at all. Talk for three is. hours. I mean, the amount of work that goes into this show, you would not believe. I'm up all hours. Listen, your, your handover with Julia Hartley Brewer at five to ten yes. is enough to justify your fears. Thank I'm you very concerned. much. Do you know that's what I mean? Very I kind. Seriously, um, by the way, love Julia. Now, um, there's a couple of things uh, I want to throw in, just okay. as some light relief. Because we haven't got a lot of time no. left. You know that. I just need to point out that yes. uh, you and I went out drinking on. Uh, well, we didn't actually go out. Drinking. Well, that's how I'm spinning it. No, that's we what found ourselves said, in the same. We say. found ourselves in the same establishment. Yeah, completely, quite by accident, in fact. Yeah, was that? Can we say where it was? We can. It was the uh, iconic Groucho Club yeah. Media Club. Uh, by the way, Mike Graham, man of the people. Yeah, um, I'm not a member, by the way. If it's in like case eleven uh, quid you a, for a bottle you of a Bex. Member? Uh, I'm, I am a member. You see, I'm I mean, one he's of those, accusing me I'm of being a snob, right? But you're the member, I'm uh, not. Listen, I'm the liberal I was elite working and I'm proud there. of it. I was working there. I'm amongst, out of touch. Amongst the liberal elite, uh, I was invited in to the hallowed halls. So a couple of things to say. Uh, yeah. It's a thrill. I'm, I'm Mike Graham's number one fan. And, um, <laughs> but to go to a bar with Mike, I mean, you are in safe hands. If you are in a, in a bar, any kind of hostelry establishment mm. with Mike Graham, that, yeah. that's like being in a velodrome with Sir Bradley Wiggins. It's true. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like he knows his way around a bar. And the best thing, I'll just share it with your listeners is your choice of drink. So yes. what would you drink? I'm thinking of maybe Cabernet Sauvignon, you know what I mean? Maybe a whiskey. Sambuca. Yeah, Sambuca, yeah. Right. Now well, that, they didn't have the black Sambuca on Need to help you with this. That is a that is a hen party drink. You think? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm gender fluid. Me. Looks like you were a bit yeah. by the end of the night. Yeah, I too. You insisted on me having a second one. <laughs> I did, I applied you. More than uh, one over the edge, I would say. But the reason I wasn't drinking wine was I'd had loads of wine already. Okay. So normally what happens yeah. is if I'm stopping to have... I wasn't expecting to leave, saw you, stopped... And now you're turning me over on my own show. I'm afraid as a so. result of that. It's just a good anyone I won't make that mistake again. that wants to, uh, you know, counter <laughs> any of your uh, polemical arguments. Yes. They could just say, just Sambuca? Just get me really, a Sambuca. Mike? Yeah, why not? Well, listen, you never know. The next time I come and, uh, and see you, it might be uh, Cointreau. Or really? Romagnier. Cointreau on ice. Keep um, it simple. No, I, t- I generally just do it straight, actually. Not on ice, really, so much. This is uh, this is a revelation. I, d- I don't even want to go there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. The thing that most disturbs me is that you're a member of the Groucho Club, and yet <laughs> you've never invited me there. Yeah, that's uh, that's awkward, actually. That is awkward. I've got to say. Yeah, since um, you're my number one fan. Well, I'm yeah, now but starting I mean, to question that. I'm married with kids, and I'm not allowed out anymore. Well, you weren't so out I'm, with I'm your wife, though, man. were you? No. You were with three women, none of whom was your wife. This chat is not going to be expected. See, you don't ever want to turn on me because it never ends well. This is more awkward than Jeremy Corbyn (laughs) and Theresa May. 
sharing. One a of scone. them was way too old though for you, so I wouldn't worry about her. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I listen, hope they're not I, listening. I don't, I don't have the energy for that kind of thing. I tell you, one, one partner in my life is plenty. Yes, I agree with that. As my anyway, listen, Mark, lovely. Thanks you. for dropping in. And, it. Thank you, MG. You, Keep up the great I'll work. See you soon, yeah. Definitely. For a, for a are on me. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.